community in at the beginning of the spring. Welcome to Hunter Pod. too much of a warm day to wake up at around midday with a hangover from the night before I have to admit um, horrible horrible day, sweaty and everything and then I'm joined, I'm Sam Kelly, hello everybody very upbeat starts this day, <laughs> um, I'm joined in Peter Coates' living room uh, this week for Hand of Pod by Peter Coates uh, by Andres Bruckner Hi. and by a special guest returning for Possibly the last time, or said that last time. Pleasure yeah. your company again, <laughs> uh, Neil Clack. Welcome back. Hello. Um, when are you buggering off? Uh, next week. Is this due for change again? Or uh, no, my my, uh, my credit card can't take any more. It has to be next week. Next week. Year, the whole year paying for it as well. We shall miss you greatly when you're gone. Thank you. Um, for now, however, we have, uh, whilst Neil is still here, we, we have some football to talk about. Uh, it was an exciting weekend of action. It wasn't really. Um, the weekend just gone. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't especially thrilling. Um, we saw a lot of draws. We saw a lot of away wins uh, to begin the, uh, the, um, the weekend. And then we saw the very first home win of the weekend in about the sixth match of the weekend, which was... Rosario Central against Newell's Old Boys, the Rosario Classico, which we um, previewed in so much depth last week, didn't we, Andres? Forgot about it completely until the last five minutes of last episode. Um, so let's begin with that, since it was the big derby of the weekend. Franco Niel, the smallest man in the world, opened the scoring with a header. Um, apparently an ex-basketball player, which is why he's got such a big leap on him. Um, and Neri... Is it Neri Dominguez? Mm-hmm. Yes. It is Neri Dominguez, isn't it? Yeah. Neri Dominguez uh, doubled Newell's deficit Central's lead um, eight minutes later and that was it as far as the goal scoring was concerned um, but it wasn't a bad classic overall Newell's managed to just sort of shoot themselves in the foot yet again though it seems like they do this a lot in Rosario Classicos uh, yes it's a very hard moment for, for, for them for Newell's I, I heard Lucas Bernardi telling that he, he wasn't going outside his home because when when this happens, when uh, one of the Rosario teams uh, gets defeat, it's defeated against the their arch arch rivals, the, the their most uh, important players are especially not in the mood to, to going out and that that stuff. Uh, which is remarkable is that Miguel Jalruso takes a very long streak of wins against Newells. I think it's nine nine times that they defeat. He defeated Newell's. Don't know if it was only the Classicos or with all the teams he had been the coach of. But it's it's incredible that that figure. It's uh, well, it's uh, that's why some sometimes some people ask uh, if whether he will be allowed to have a special contract with Central uh, when they play against Newell's when. <laughs> 
to be he, to be the coach of of of, of Rosario Central because of this because of the yeah, times he he defeated Newell's, uh, which is incredible. And yes, as, as I said, Newell's is is not in their best at their best moment. And Rosario Central wasn't especially a, a, a super team, but I think it was slightly better. I I, I told in last hundred pod that because of the names, News was had a slight advantage. I was wrong, <laughs> clearly. Um, did Newell's win the last Clásico six months ago? I don't think so. No, they didn't. Did last time. Uh, in which case, because I'm looking at a, a screen with the the last matches in, in the current division, except that it doesn't include the final 2014, um, that means that Central last lost to Newell's in the 2008 Apertura, since when they have played one, two, three, four, five, six matches uh, with three draws and three wins, I think it is. Yeah, three draws and three wins in the last six games. Yeah, because I think I read that, um, two reasons. that this was like the third straight since they came back up. That sounds right, yeah, yeah. Um, so there we have it. Newells are... Um, Five, six, might be, might be seven games actually um, without a win now. As I try and work Peter's rather confusing keyboard mouse input system. That's not on himself. I am grateful that you let me the computer when we record it. Um, but Peter is the first person to admit that his computer is confusing for strangers to use. It's got these weird buttons on the side of the keyboard. Um, five games without a win for Newell's. Two draws, both in away matches, and three defeats. Um, it's looking very good. They they were unbeaten after the right up until the eighth round. In fact, they were unbeaten. I think second in the table, and they're now five without a win, and they've lost three of the last four matches. Quite a slump, and it's one that caused uh, some of the senior players. You've already mentioned Lucas Bernardi saying he didn't want to leave the house, but also the day after the Clásico, uh, Maxi Rodriguez, and Ignacio Scocco, and a couple of the others who I can't remember who they were. Um, called a press conference and said that they have to assume the responsibility as well. Gustavo Raggio, the manager, offered his resignation, but the board talked him out of it. They, they wanted him to stay, um, as did the players, and they said that they have to start playing um, for Raggio yes. now, as they do, because they're down in 10th place, I think it is, in the league. Yes, ask him to stay and, and at, at least until the end of the year, which is more, more or less saying him saying, OK, we accept your, resi- your resignation or your quit. But uh, at least wait until we have another another coach. You think that's how you read it? I think it's like that because uh, when uh, you have to live in Rosario, perhaps, or to be there to 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 feel what what is to to lose lose the the the, the classic against Rosario Central. Mm. It's it's a, a, a very very hard to continue result. Uh, the main problem they're having is an attack, and it's kind of, it feels like the longest time ago in the world that we were recording Hand of Pod and talking about how wonderful um, Newell's football was, what worthy winners of the 2013 Torneo Final um, they were with all of those goals scored and, and fantastic um, football being played by Gerardo Martino's side. It's only 18 months ago, it's not even 18 months ago in fact. Um, They've, they've now scored, they've got 12 goals in 12 matches, which, just looking at the table, there are two teams who've scored fewer than Newell's. And I think Hearts, I think they've had two games where they scored three, and the others 
yeah. have all just been either no goals or one. I mean, it's not like a, a spread across those <laughs> those games. No, that's quite right. They've uh, let's see that they have got their scores have been one nil, one one, three three, three two, back to back. Um, and then 1 0, 0 0, 1 0, 1 1, 0 3, 1 1, 0 1, 0 2. So you're quite right. Yeah, half of their goal total is taken up by the third round um, and fourth round against Belgrano and Atletico de Rafaela, um, which were very high scoring games. The rest of it's been a bit of a disaster for them. The only sides who've scored fewer than them are Gimnasia La Plata, who have nine, and Olimpo, who have managed seven. Everybody else has 13 or more. Oh no, that's a good lie. Belgrano have scored 12 as well. Um, but it must have been quite a, a high-scoring championship, um, generally. Newells aren't uh, holding up their end of the deal, uh, so because their defence isn't that bad. They've only conceded 14, which I guess more than one game. But in the context of a high-scoring championship, it's, uh, it's one of the better defences. It's not the best or the second best, but it's one of the better ones. But the attack's been, been really quite poor, especially given the names that they've got at their disposal. Yeah, I think... Scott or Maxi. Scott this transfer really has not uh, paid off as I think it, they would have hoped for, given the sort of protracted transfer saga. Hmm. Um, and then I think the whole point of bringing him back was, well, if we bring him back, we still play more or less the same style as we did under Martino. With, he'll, he'll come back and be the person who will get the goals for us, and it yeah. hasn't happened at all. Um, you, you talk about assumed responsibilities, you can't... In a, in, a, in a match like that, like Skoko did to mm. do some gestures to the, to the referee, uh, which cost undoubtedly the, the, the send off. Uh, yeah, Skoko actually said himself yesterday that uh, he feels like a bit of a dick now because he lost his, lost self control for one minute and now he's suspended for another match. Um, well, 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 but he also spat at someone early in the season as well. I mean, so yeah, it hasn't it been a particularly uh, impressive half and been injured for a, a portion as well so it's no, been very disappointing no absolutely they've been quite unlucky generally with injuries obviously Ezequiel Ponce started the season fantastically then broke his foot and he's out for six months um, among others um, Victor Lopez had a, a broken nose in just ahead of those two uh, ridiculously high scoring games when their defence was, was actually quite strong which probably cost them a couple of points as well um, but uh, let's move on to Central because it feels a bit weird. We're slacking off Newells. We're saying, oh, it's disaster for them and everything. Newells are still a point ahead of Central in the table even after this win. Uh, mostly because Central are completely incapable of hanging on to draws. They, they keep losing. They've drawn one match. They've won five. And they've lost six. Which is... Yeah, they, they, inconsistent, they, or consistently inconsistent. They uh, uh, got the, the they qualified to um, semi-finals of the Copa Argentina against River. Now they they defeat Newell's in the Clasico, and they appear to be a more a better team than they are. But results are, are we we know how results work. Um, yeah, they've got a trip to Cordoba next. They, they played Belgrano at the weekend. Um, They've got rid of, I think, most of the more difficult fixtures that they will have. The only one of the title challenges that they still have to play are harassing. Um, so from that point of view, the run-in for them, let's say, is easier than, uh, than, than the season has been so far. But even so, it's, uh, it's been very up and down. It'll be interesting to see what happens next, particularly because Franco Niel, who got them off to such a good start in the Clásico, uh, had to go off injured two or three minutes later. Um, 
tremendously energetically injured, though. I thought walking off the pitch really rather than sort of briskly and yelling at uh, Jose Valencia, the man who replaced him, pounding his, his fists against Jose Valencia's fists again, you know, go on, get out there and, and beat him. Really pumped up. Um, not that we're trying to suggest that he, he might have been on any substances, um, but he had that kind of slightly wild eyed, maniacal look, which I rather enjoyed. It's nice to see a player getting excited for the Classico, and really, if the lawyers are listening, can't stress enough. <laughs> probably not on drugs for the game. Um, that's enough about the Rosario Classico for now. Considering, um, considering this is their first season back up again, isn't it? Rosario Centro. Mm-hmm. Their first. Second season. Oh, it's the second season. Right. Sorry, forget that. But if it was, then what would you have been saying? No, I was going to say, what was where, you know, at the beginning, wouldn't they have been quite happy with this, really? The way things have gone so far, you know, wasn't... Well, was yeah, the well, that's true. They're, they're mid-table, 16 points. They're 11th, in fact. Literally one position and one point behind yours. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's not... Yeah, I think the, the same. Sorry, there, Nick. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. It's not the first. It's, uh, it's not been disastrous. Yeah. And, yes, I... Sometimes I have difficulty working out how long they or remembering exactly how long they've been in as well. Um, it's very confusing. It's independent, his first backup, isn't it? It's yeah. independent, his first, first backup. Sorry. His first backup. Defensi Justicia, his first ever. And on that note, Defensi Justicia um, hosted Lanus on Saturday afternoon. No, they Lanus on Saturday night, half past eight, it kicks off. Um, and they lost 2 1. Uh, two quite early goals in the space of a couple of minutes from Nicolas Paschini and Jay Jorge Valdez Chamorro. I can't remember Jorge's, uh, Valdez Chamorro's actual first name, and this website has a habit of getting first names wrong. But according to this website, his first name is indeed Jorge, so I'm going to go with that. Two of us can't possibly be wrong, can we? Um, that win took Lanus to one point, to within one point of River um, at the top of the league and put the pressure on River for uh, Sunday evening. Um, we're going to move on to River in a little while, though, because we have a couple of River matches to talk about. Of course, we recorded the last match. In fact, we've got three River matches to talk about. They've played three times since we last recorded. Um, and we'll talk very briefly about the, the rest of the league. Uh, Gimnasia La Plata on Friday um, drew 0-0 with Olimpo and Kilmes also drew 0-0 with Atletico de Rafaela also on Friday evening. Um, so it wasn't a fantastic pair of matches, I gather, to, to be watching. Fortunately for me, I wasn't watching them. But we can't forgive Atletico Rafaela because they were thinking on the match yesterday. At the Copa Argentina, of course, yes, which uh, was the only Copa Argentina to skip four in time slightly to Wednesday afternoon, evening. Um, was the only Copa Argentina quarter-final this year to not go to penalties. <laughs> All of the others went to penalties. This one didn't. Atletico won it 1-0 against Defensi Justicia, so Defensi Justicia haven't had a great few days, um, to advance to the semi-final where they will play against... Or I can, won't they? And uh, Argentinos play central. Um, we don't. I'm not sure when. Do we know when? Shall we look it up to, to try and sound professional? Let's do that. And, and I don't know the teams. Sorry, not been decided. And, and I don't know the teams that participated in that match or matches. But I have. I heard today that the uh, what have started is the Copa Argentina 2015. So far. Uh, even though they, they, they yes, the 2014-15 Copa Argentina has already begun. It started um, about a week and a half ago. Ah, that's brilliant. <laughs> before the set, before the, the third quarter final had even kicked off, 
Mm-hmm. Um, the next year's compact deal already started the preliminaries for it, at least. Uh, group B interiors. The winner goes into the Libertadores, is that right? Yes. I didn't yes. know that. Yeah, that's, that's right. So one of Argentinos, Huracan, yeah. who was in the second division, remember? Yeah. Central or Atletico de Rafael, and one of those four sides will be in next year's Libertadores. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the, the uh, Primera Eliminatoria, uh, the first elimination stage of Group B zona interior, interior group um, for the 14 15, saw uh, Argentino Peñarol put General Paz Juniors out on penalties. Nueve de Julio de Mendoza beat Tiro Federal de Mendoza 6-5 on penalties after a 1-1 draw. Some fantastic names that I've never heard of. These teams who aren't even in the Toneos. So there is another another Tiro Tiro Federal because there was a Tiro Federal that even played on this river. Yes, because they were at Primera First Division Tiro Federal from Rosario. You must now be in what third division I think Primera B maybe but yeah this this is it says there Tiro Federal and then an M in if, if Argentinos and Huracan stay in the cup is there a chance that they could end up still being in both having games in both years competitions at the same time uh, no I doubt it because <laughs> the second division will come in in the new year I think right. um, but there is when is the final December yeah, yeah the final is going to be no, sometime in November, December. Sorry, I've got the page up so that we can look up the dates for the uh, semis. Yeah, so let me um, have a look. Loading, loading, loading. Handed Pod is, of course, the only place that you can find uh, reliable information on the Copa Argentina in English because we're the only people stupid enough to care about it. And <laughs> this page that I've just loaded doesn't even tell us who won yesterday's match, so I need to click on something else. Ah, uh, there we go, Calendario Completo. Um, quarters have been played, semi-finals... I have a horrible feeling after all this that they no are still saying... Yeah. <laughs> no dates have been decided. For the final, they might have decided the date already. Oh no, they haven't even got the final as a stage on the, on the website. Yeah, they've got the super final and then the super. Is the super final the same thing as the final? No. No, the super final is the league final. No. Because this website's dedicated to the Copa Argentina, so why would it not have that? <laughs> this is a ridiculous country sometimes. Anyway, um, at Little Verifiana, you're quite right, Andres were distracted at the weekend uh, on Friday and, and played out a fairly dull 0 0 draw against Kilmes, which doesn't help them that much in the title race but it doesn't leave them too much further behind than they already were anyway um, on Saturday there was a 1-1 draw between Banfield and Estudiantes there was a 2-1 victory for Independiente away to San Lorenzo whose pre-World Club Cup form continues to be somewhat troubling um, the World Club Cup is, is in no it's not now is it? it's gone uh, but it was in Buenos Aires in fact it was in Buenos Aires on Monday when I went to the shopping centre uh, where it's being displayed and didn't see it at all. I went to the cinema in the shopping centre about 10 o'clock at night, in fairness, they've probably cleared it off already. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I completely bypassed the stand and I did not see it, even though I was standing feet away from where I have been. Um, Defensive was this year 1 and it was 2, we've mentioned already. Racing beat Bella Southfield 2 0 um, to very much keep optimism up, I think, but. There was bad news for Racing because Gustavo Bull, uh, the man of many surnames um, and of many goals, more to the point, had to go off injured and is a doubt for this weekend's clash. Do you think, 
gentlemen, that Gustavo Bu is a bigger loss to Racing if he doesn't play than Diego Milito is when he doesn't play. Because Bu scored more goals, but I've seen some fairly convincing arguments that it's actually Milito is more kind of central to making the attack. Yes, Milito works works for the team, mm-hmm. and, and it's more like uh, it's something. Uh, more than football that, that he does to the, for the team in order to be more at ease and, 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 and they know that Merito is there is there and, and, and he can in, a, in only in, in only one play can can do something magical perhaps mm-hmm. um, and Bo is more uh, power more energetic because he's younger of course and he has been scoring a lot of goals of course uh, he's eight, eight goals two goals uh, uh, down from from the Teo Gutierrez, who is the, the, the top goal scorer, so it's anyway a big, a big loss. Not I don't know if it's bigger or, or, or not than, than Milito, but it's, it's big. I think Milito gives Racing's attack a, a focus, yeah. yes. which, although Gustavo Bull gets the goals, it doesn't provide that same like point of which the attack builds around. Mm. And I think Milito, when Milito was injured earlier in the season, we we no, saw a completely there, different racing when they were. They looked pretty bad. Like when he went off injured a few minutes into after scoring the goal against Independiente in the Clásico. Yeah. From then on in the rest of the match, racing looked terrible. And remember, at that and then point, they went on a bit of a losing streak. Exactly. Yeah. Ahead of the Clásico, of course, that was in the fifth round. And going into that match, racing had three wins and one defeat. Um, the defeat, of course, was that bizarre one against Tigre, where Tigre scored four goals from five attempts. Um, in the game, which admittedly, if you weren't a Racing fan, was extremely funny, but it was also not perhaps statistically all that important. Um, and then, as Peter says, Milito scored the early goal against Independiente, went off injured, and missed the next couple of matches. And those next couple of matches were a home defeat of Lanús and then away a home draw um, with Newells. Milito then, I think, came back in for the other second half of the Boca game. Exactly. Which, 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 which Racing, uh, this, the, the second last half hour, I mean. Um, the, the match that regular listeners all remember was, was rained off um, and completed later. And which means I haven't started. Set up no, no, they were both scored by Mbou, but uh, he set up. Yeah, he set up. Oh, no, he had a goal disallowed, as he? Yeah. Just before that. I think, um, I, think I read that Boo was actually got, not meant to be first team player at the beginning of the season. He's coming because Milito's injured and he's someone else injured, another striker. Well, Gabriel Alcher is Gabriel Alcher. I, I think that's the main. Yeah. But I think Centurion picked up a knock or something as yeah, well. He was yeah, we need English down here, really. But, but there we are. Um, but yeah, okay, I'm, I'm glad to have my uh, theory about Minito backed up by some solid <laughs> other opinions. That's, that's very nice. Thank you, Peter. They've checked in the post. Um, on Monday evening, Tigre uh, had their magnificent home form under Gustavo Alfaro brought to a shuddering halt by a 1 1 draw with Arsenal which counts as possibly the biggest shock of the weekend because Arsenal played in the away match and didn't lose it. Um, I didn't see it. If you were listening carefully a few minutes ago, you would have picked me up, picked up on me saying I went to the cinema on Monday night because yeah. uh, why on earth would you, you know, stay and watch Tigre Arsenal when you didn't have to? Um, Not only that, they also scored first. Oh, they did, yeah, you're quite right, 52 minutes. Blenkiel got the equaliser for Tigre in 77 minutes. So Tigre picking themselves up to an extent from that quite ridiculous. Did we mention? No. Yes, we did. We were recording during the 4-3 victory last Wednesday of Godoy Cruz against Tigre, which was Tigre's first match that they didn't win under Alfaro in the league. 
Um, so they picked themselves back up from that, um, but uh, not fully, just a home draw and against Arsenal. I think they'll be disappointed uh, with themselves, but they're potentially in with a shot at the title if they keep winning, are they? Because of Paul, only because of the of their uh, of the position on the table, of course. Uh, uh, they're it? seventh, and they have yes. 17 points. Which, bearing in mind that um, have they played River? Yes. Pardon? Have they played River? Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they have. Yeah, yes. they've already played and lost to River. Right. Um, they're seventh with 17 points, and a month and a half ago, they were. I don't know what position they were in, but they had four points from their first six matches in the intervening six matches since Alvaro's taken charge they have got 12, 13 points so it's a bit of a jumping quality for them so well done Tigre I think that out of River if you have a, for, a form a table they must be there second or third I would have thought so yeah yeah for yeah. sure but, I mean, obviously that, that's true and uh, talking of any kind of challenge is, is out of the question when you think River would have to lose about four matches out of the yeah. remaining six or, or eight or whatever they are and we may as well now get on to River because the reason that neither Tigre nor Atletico de Rafaela, certainly not Veles, um, and indeed perhaps not even Lanús, who was second, um, look likely to win the title is that River Plate have won yet again. And they are developing a bit of um, a nice habit to have. If you're, if you're a winning team and you're, you're playing well which is that when they have matches where they don't play well but they just it's a kind of five minute streak of it clicking they're able to take advantage of that um, against Belgrano was the case in point at the weekend uh, in fact we've had a couple of cases in point um, since we last recorded first of all last Thursday uh, just after this podcast went online I think minutes after I managed to get it uploaded um, they kicked off away in Asuncion to Libertad in Paraguay for the first leg of their round of 16, yeah. was it? Yeah, round of 16, uh, Copa Sudamericana tie. Libertad took the lead, it was 1 0 to Libertad. River were playing really quite sort of poorly and stiflingly hot in Asuncion, apparently about 38 degrees and very humid. Um, and then, ooh, what was it, 16 minutes into the second half, Libertad got a penalty awarded. This was the chance to make it 2 0, and the lights went out. Um, and the last half hour of that game took about an hour and a bit, I think, to actually get played. Um, but when the lights came back on, the penalty was missed, and from that point, different River. Six minutes after that, River were level. Carlos Sanchez, I think it was, wasn't it, got the equaliser. Yes. Um, and as soon as he equalised, the lights went out again. <laughs> Powering, not a reliable Special thing. moments or, or key moments yes. to the light, for the light to be... Electricity yeah. in South America in hot weather uh, does this. Um, but they, sorry, I have to mention this because the Libertad Stadium doesn't have pr proper light. Uh, they, they don't have their own light. So if the light goes out in the in the in the neighborhood, they the stadium also have their own electricity. Yes. Yeah, you have the, the yeah they're running on a on a local generator. Um, rather than Why does it go out at key moments though? Just when there's a penalty or when it's there's bizarre, a goal? I, I had somebody <laughs> tweeting me suggesting that it was. Um, that it was a conspiracy and I had to explain that electricity here isn't very reliable first and secondly I don't think it's a conspiracy because why would the home side knock the lights out just as their own striker was preparing to take a penalty it happened in the Premier League once and it was a Chinese betting syndicate I don't yeah. know if you remember that it was uh, West Ham yeah. Crystal Palace a year and a half two years ago 
No, no, long. T- oh, that might have been another long. This was in '97. Oh right, no, I, was, I, I, I was there. I remember it. It's well, up more recently as well, I think. Yeah. Um, they put a device in the floodlights, hmm. and um, Lampard equalised for West Ham, which made the score two-two, and the lights went out, and the match was abandoned. So somewhere, somewhere, that counted that score, and they <laughs> were paid out. It all came to light much later. It was a police investigation. They found well, the device in the floodlights. Maybe somebody was betting on the. But then being that the match well, one to given, the match, given that the match carried on, I'm yeah. not sure how that would have worked. No, no. But um, anyway, and uh, the final score was three one to River. Um, they wrapped it up yesterday, as, as we record on Thursday. They wrapped it up on Wednesday night with a two 0 win in the um, second leg at home in the Monumental. Um, and in between those at the weekend, they hosted Belgrano and played okay in the first half. Belgrano came back into it in the second and, and gave them a really hard time for about the first half hour of the first half. And then again, in the, in the last 15 minutes or so, uh, River got back into their stride and Teo Gutierrez scored twice, the two goals that Andres mentions, that he has an advantage over Gustavo Ball in the goalscorer's table, um, to win 3-0 and remain top of the league. And when, as I say, when a team is A, playing well when they play well, and B, when they're not playing particularly well, still able to make the advantage count, uh, it, it, it's dangerous for the rest of the league, I think. These three matches against Libertad, the first and second leg, and the one against Belgrano, I think that it, that shows perfectly what a team is made of. Because uh, I don't agree at all with, with people saying that River was lucky. Because of course there are moments in order. If the light was uh, out uh, before the goal, the Sanchez the goal uh, scored by Sanchez, of course that perhaps the, the match would have been ended in a different score, but uh, the light went out for football, for both teams, not only for River or for Libertad. So if you adapt yourself better than the other team to the light shuts out or, or, or light going out, it's something good for you, something that you did good, and you have to play against hot weather, against light wind going out, against the rival. And if the rival is not used to, 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 to the hot weather and to the... Well, I, I think that the, when 40 uh, centigrade degree, uh, uh, degrees centigrade, you, you, you must be used to, to, to this kind of situations. Hmm. And they weren't. So I think that is... I, I perhaps was lucky when you say, well, Gachardo put um, Drusi and Simeone and both scored. Both are, are youth, youth players, are, are players that are doing their first, not, not, not Simeone, perhaps, Juicy is doing his first, uh, like, his first steps into the first division, uh, and both score, while well, you have, you, you, some luck, perhaps, but apart from, apart from that, I think it was no luck, it was all uh, good, uh, and, and not, uh, uh, Focusing, not not uh, taking focus out of the match, like for example Rodrigo Lopez did when because he, he missed the penalty. Then against Belgrano, team wasn't playing very very well in the second half. Belgrano had some opportunities to score with Picante Pereira and with Rigoni. One of them was brilliantly saved, brilliantly saved by, by Barbero. The one the shot from Rigoni. Uh, 
and then then the Utira scored two times. Well, that is something that River has, I think, learned to play with that, with the situations of the of the matches, mm. which is not very very common, perhaps at these these times. You you know that the team, the other team, can go to your your side, to your your field, uh, attack attack you, but if you have confidence on your on yours. Well, uh, that is key, I think. That is the main reason why River is not conceding goals and for the other hand, on the other hand, they are scoring. We had a question a week or two ago about uh, what we meant when we said that Marcelo Gachardo was a, a forward-thinking and, and younger manager and what the difference was between the generations of managers. And I read something uh, last week, in fact, um, that was quite interesting about one of the the differences that, that he's brought in at River is that the players have a psychologist now who works with them. Um, and I think that that's, it ties in with what Andres has just been saying because it, it shows that uh, River, as well as, as the nice football that we talk about and all of this, yesterday was the 27th match in a row that they've gone unbeaten. During that spell, they've had 16 clean sheets. And both that and also just watching the performances in really key parts of difficult matches, you see that the team have got an enormous kind of mental strength. They look, they have belief in what they're doing and, and, and they've got that kind of that determination to, to get through it. Whilst previous, not just Riverside, but other, a lot of previous sides in, in Argentine football generally, I think, don't really have it. I think it's the, probably the best mental strength I've seen since maybe Vélez a few years ago. Yes. You had a similar sense and maybe... Even going back, you know, Bianchi's Boca, obviously, are probably the, the kings of it in this century for Argentine football. Like the just tremendous belief that they were going to take this tie to penalties and then win it. Um, and they won, you know, what's Copa Libertadores. It is, perhaps it's, it's, of course, it's not so simple. I'm not, by the way, before any, sorry to interrupt, Andres, I, I don't mean to directly compare this river play with no, Carlos Bianchi's original Boca mm-hmm. Juniors team, which won but all that stuff. They're not that good yet. It's, it's quite compl- complex, complex to. to to understand and to know what to do and do it and doing it because there is an opponent that is all the time trying not trying you not to do that trying to uh, to overtake you what you are doing and and and, and of course it's uh, Argentine football is completely competitive you will you perhaps can say well or, or not very well played but it's tough and and river is is doing something which is perhaps, like you said, Bellis, uh, Santa Mago, or, or Newells, two years ago, uh, which is have an identity and knowing what to do and, and, and when to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like they, are, they, are, they have uh, members or they have pieces and they, they all build uh, something which is a whole, a whole thing. And well, uh, you can be lucky, can have more lucky, less luck. Uh, some some matches, for example, Barbero said the brilliantly a, a brilliant shot from Rigoni, as I said. But what is the goalkeeper for? For, for saving those. Uh, and, and, and River is not uh, having a lot of goal opportunities that the the, the rival is is generating. No. So he has to be prepared for saving a very one one or two or three uh, goal opportunities. And he, well, in this case, it was like that. Does anybody know what River's goal difference is? Out of interest in the league? Yes, I know. 20. Mm. Really? Does anybody know what the second best goal difference in the league is? Not really, that's fine. 
Vanus, plus seven. Um, which tells its own story. The second best defence in the league is Gimnasia La Plata, who've let in ten goals. And, and yesterday night, it was... River had 77% possession of the ball. Bloody hell. Which is historic. It's not, no, no other team had that position. It bears, it bears mentioning that yes. Libertad had the look throughout yes. the match of a team who knew that they'd already lost the tie in the first leg and were sort of... And they had a... And they had a... Yes, and What I don't understand about that send, send, sending off is how the player, uh, after elbowing Rojas, complains. What are you complaining <laughs> for? <laughs> I was impressed he managed to get his elbow up that high. You've got to be about half a foot shorter than, uh, than Rojas. But anyway, was, from that point of view, it was impressive. But uh, yeah, certainly the complaint was one of the more amusing aspects of the evening. Um, there is one match that we haven't mentioned yet, and it was, it has to be said, one of the most entertaining games. And one of the things that Andres and I said when we recorded last week was, if you want to see goals and you're not too bothered which end of the pitch you see them in, because they're going to go in at both ends anyway, watch a Godoy Cruz game. We apologise for the baby in the background. <laughs> Clearly she knew what I was going to say. Uh, watch a Godoy Cruz game. Um, and so it proved yet again, Godoy Cruz um, 2, Boca Juniors 3, in a magnificently entertaining match. So, so entertaining, and Godoy Cruz defence indeed is so bad that even Fernando Gago scored a goal and got voted man of the match, which, given his performances since returning to Argentina to play for Vélez Sarsfield nearly two years ago, and then Boca, um, I, I watch, is quite surprising. I, I watched most of the match, and I, I think that the defences of both teams fought mm. for what was worse, because they were, <laughs> both were, were quite terrible. Uh, when, when, when you introduced it there, and you said, as we said last week, uh, if you want to watch goals at both ends, I thought you were going to say watch Boca. Because uh, uh, that well, equally applies to them, I think, at the moment. It might do, but Godoy Cruz have let in uh, three goals in three consecutive games now. And their last three results are a 3-3 draw, yeah. a 4-3 win and a 3-2 defeat. And you um, could see why in that game. It was uh, thoroughly entertaining. It was end-to-end. Yes. Uh, it's the one game I did watch. And, uh, but the defences of both sides were poor, I thought. Fact, as I, well. I made the point last week that the lowest uh, number in any of the goals for or conceded uh, figures that the lowest number in any of those was Rivers' goals against, which is six, which is even fewer than Olimpo have scored yeah. seven goals. Um, but I've just realised that the highest number in any of those columns is also River, it's the 26 that River have scored. But the second highest is Godoy Cruz goals against 25. Right. So next weekend, this weekend, if River only win 2 0, Godoy Cruz are going to overtake them or draw level with them because. Uh, because they're, they're going to concede another three, presumably, at the weekend. Um, although I think I might have tipped them to win in any case. Yeah, against Waiting Newells, no. I can't remember what we'll, we'll find out later what Mystic Sam says for that one. But almost certainly, it's going to involve Godoy Cruz conceding lots of goals, in spite of the fact that Newells' attack isn't very good, because Godoy just seemed to create uh, chances. But Boca, how are Boca going to be feeling at this point? Uh, they've had a fairly decent run as we keep mentioning, since our Arena took over. Um, and it continues. They, they've lost one match in his care um, against uh, Racing, of course, that, that called-off game. But apart from that, five wins, two draws in his other games. They're playing, of course, just after we finish recording this evening, um, away to a team who didn't exist six and a bit years ago. 
in the composite Americana, and this is something else that we couldn't uh, include in last week's episode because it happened just after we recorded. Um, but let's stick to the league first of all. Before we start laughing at Boca, let's give them a, a, a boost and be nice to them for a bit, even though it is difficult at times. Um, they've won two in a row. They're unbeaten in four games. Um, the defence, to an extent, is tightening up. Although they've got Chris match was a bit of an aberration in that um, in that respect. As they're, they're missing, aren't they? They're two main central defenders, aren't they? Echeverria and Catadias. Yes, they are. And that, you uh, could uh, really see still, that. Yeah, yeah, they are still yeah, missing. I Although Juan Fourline was back against uh, Godoy Cruz and, yeah. and looked like somebody just coming out from injury. <laughs> the uh, the Godoy Cruz striker is the Ecuadorian, and I can't remember his name. Ashobi. Is that what? Yeah, he looked really I, good. I know me. He, he, was, uh, he was tearing them apart. I thought not just the goals, but fantastic header. Yeah, for the, was it the first yeah. one? Yeah, and he, the he, he, they, they had some other chances, didn't they? Old Corleone made a good save. I thought that was an absolutely crucial moment. Yeah. Minutes before Bocco either equalised or got the winner, when someone was through on goal for Godoy Cruz and had it. A simple, yeah, could have squared the ball to Ashraf. Yes, exactly. Yes. Instead, yes. tried to do like a stupid chip, yes. which went straight into Ollie's hand, yeah. and he thought that could that would have won the match. And Boca scored within yeah. a minute. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah just before Jonathan Caleri's um, winner um, for Boca. Yeah, you're quite right. Uh, and yeah, Ayoli's um, header was the second Godoy Cruz goal. So that which made it two one to Godoy Cruz. Two, that was the other reason it was two foreign goals from Godoy Cruz because the first one was from Garcia Guerreño from yes. Paraguay. Yeah. So it's Oh yeah, quite right, yeah, two foreign goal scorers. Um so it went one nil to Boca quite early on, two one to Godoy Cruz quite early on in the second half. Um and then Boca ran away with it in the last sort of half hour or so and, and ended up winning three two. But as we say, tremendously entertaining match. Um and now we can get Round to, to well, no, we still haven't. Given How do you Boca say about credit. Gago? Because we I must was, try was... and give Boca credit. They're coming together to a certain extent in in attack. It's not you know blowing everybody away, um, but they have started to get the the requisite goals. I think yeah, they they've not failed to score. In fact, since the three uh, 0 defeat to Atletico Rafaela, which was in the third round, um, since then they've scored in every game, win, lose or draw, um, at least once, and the. Uh, play that our Royal Barrena wants them to uh, to get the kind of style that he wants with a quite a tight midfield three um, is beginning to gel. I mean, it, it's not you know by any means fluid. It's not particularly great to watch, but it's becoming apparent at least that they actually do have a plan now. Which under Bianchi, as we said many many times, they didn't really appear to have any plan apart from try and get a free kick and Raquel will take it and he'll save us. Which, as we said becomes a bit of a problem when Raquel is no longer past the squad. But uh, uh, even though that is not, uh, I think, through a, a big, big moment, I think Gago is put some order there in the midfield. Is he is he playing slightly forward under Arrugueta than, than under Bianchi? Well, Bianchi, Bianchi tried to play him as a number 10 at one point, remember? So. Right. <laughs> I'm not sure you could play much further. And nervous was the. I think the point is that he's he's been put back more to where he's what he's used to be doing. He actually tried him as a number ten. He tried him as a number eight, right. which is a sort of outside box to box midfielder, and he's not either of those things. And Rob um, Arena, uh, to me at least, appears to just be telling Fernando Gago, you know what, do what you've done for most yeah. of your career, play as a number five. That's what you are. He um, still um, he still looks slow. And, not, and, you know, and in the games are so much faster now in Argentina, mm. he still looks off the pace. He just produced a couple of moments of class in one of the goals he played the through ball. 
that was a really lovely pass, I thought. Mm. But, but it, it, and in the third one, the, the, the goal, the, the, the definite goal, uh, was a, a wonderful chip for, for Caleri. And yeah, that's the one. Yes. Yeah. But he, ah. still, he still looks quite slow, that's, that's what I think. But I think the good thing is now, with this Boca team, to give them some credit, is they've almost realised that he's not that mobile and a bit slow and have surrounded him with people mm. who, are, who have got yes, a lot of energy. But I think we, maybe in this match we didn't see some of the players who have, been, who have impressed, certainly me, so far in this tournament. But um, with like the running of Chavez um, in, in the final third, like he's been able to, I think, stretch defences um, and Nelly. Two, two signings that came in obviously under Bianchi but he never he wasn't able to incorporate them into the side um, before when he Salido played, yeah, he played yeah, Chile Salido in the World Cup against, uh, against Godoy Cruz Andres Cubas as well was alongside Gapo in midfield which is a name that I didn't even hear I've not heard of before and mm. given that I actually watched the game on Sunday I feel uh, that I probably should have heard of him <laughs> he was playing in place of Erebus wasn't he I yeah. think Erebus was injured Yes. Yeah. Um, right, now that we've done the horrible business of giving Bocca some credit for things, <laughs> it's hard to start but, laughing. Also, the other, the other thing I was oh. going to say about the table, not about Bocca, don't worry, okay. necessarily, but the thing I noticed about the, the table is um, this is a quite a, a pretty decent period for the, for the big five. I mean, it is, isn't it? four yeah. of the five make up the top five in the table, and then the one missing is the current Libertadores champions. Yeah. I mean, it's quite a while since we've been able to... Um, Say of all all the big five, they're they're having some success. Absolutely, yeah. Um, the, that table at the moment looks as follows: River Plate are top, eight wins, four draws, zero defeats. I've gone over and over the goals for and against figures already, so I'll boy with them again. Um, and twenty-eight points. Lanús are second with twenty-four. They're the only non-big five side in the top five, as Peter quite rightly says. And third, Independiente, twenty-three-four. Uh, Fourth, Racing with 22, and fifth are Boca with 20 points. Um, and quite bizarrely as well, Boca managed to be fifth with a goal difference of zero, which sort of points to just how bad were they under Carlos Bianchi that the, the wins since haven't managed to get the goal difference into the positives. Um, quite something. But um, yeah, and, and San Lorenzo obviously are 14th, but they're the current Libertadores champions, as you say, they've the league has been a complete write-off for them and they're not happy about that clearly they're, they're making noises all the time about we've got to try and get our heads together but they're clearly concentrating mostly on the, the World Club Cup the Club World Cup I should say um, and so yeah I'll tell you the other thing time. about San Lorenzo the weekend I thought um, Mario Chepes looked absolutely awful <laughs> I mean, really? Yeah. Do, you, do you think Independiente dodged a bullet with him? Because of course no, he's not gonna, on the verge of signing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I made the point before the game. It was an interesting, interesting thing. It was his second start, but interesting that it was against the Defenders. Yeah, why didn't they hire him for the Club World Cup and, and this is it? Like, Estudiantes... hire somebody. <laughs> like, Estudiantes did it with... Yes, Estudiantes, for example, hired... I, I, I think we mentioned that in some episode... Uh, Schiavi and, and Orion mm, for yeah. the semi-finals of the Copa Libertadores, not the whole tournament, just... Not even the whole semi-final, I think it was the second leg of the no. semi-final and the two legs of the final, if I remember rightly, for Schiavi at least. Mm. I don't think he, I, I think they signed him after the first leg of the semi. Um, mm. 
I thought uh, he'd be good for San Lorenzo, but I based that purely on the World Cup, just the gap of games I saw him in the World Cup. But that's well, his experience as well. Yeah, I mean, I thought it's the same. players yeah. with that level of experience who come over to Argentina and already know the league because yeah. they played for River, of course, and, and for somebody else as well, there, I think. I can't remember. Chepes and Ortigosa are trying to stop Cristiano Ronaldo. Come on, and and, and or, Ortigosa will wipe the floor with Ronaldo. They, they're trying, they're trying, they're trying to focus because I, I I hear from the players. Of course, they they can't say no. We are thinking on the club World Cup. We are we're just trying uh, 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 what. Uh, uh, seeing what, what what we are going to take to Mar- Mar- Morocco, uh, but they are trying to focus on the on the tournament and they can't. I think so they just can't. Yeah. They're fourteenth, yes. uh, by the way. Uh, four wins, two draws, and six defeats. Um, they are sandwiched in the table by Gimnasia and newly promoted Banfield. Uh, to give you some idea of the the context of San Lorenzo's uh, campaign. And now, can we laugh at Boca? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> there was laughter at, in Boca Juniors' direction across Buenos Aires and possibly Argentina, uh, obviously from the point of view of those who don't support them, um, last Thursday evening when Boca Juniors hosted in the Copa Sudamericana in La Bamonera uh, Deportivo Capiata of Paraguay, which is a city in the middle of Paraguay whose Wikipedia page boasts, among other things, that it is the only city in Paraguay which borders six other cities. That's an actual thing that it says on the, on the, on the Wikipedia page of, of the city of Capiata, uh, which I remember. I might be misremembering the exact number, but it certainly borders either six or seven. Um, and it's the only one in Paraguay to do so. Um, Capiata was founded in 2000, September 2008. It was the first time they played Boca, obviously, that goes without saying. And they got a 1 0 win in a match that, quite aside from snatching the win, it was also. A hilariously undeserved win in, in that just kind of Boca managed to shoot themselves in the foot and really should have won the match fairly comfortably and Capiata scored an own goal from a corner because it bounced off Mariano Echeverria's stomach and into the net. It was hilarious. I but was, there is something well, I watched it with you and I yes. didn't have to be recorded. There is something I won't, I won't understand and uh, I, I will continue with this not understanding because a team that is all all, uh, all the, the whole team in their, in their, in their box. Just the, the ten men in their box, and the other team trying to, of course, draw the game. And the, the best idea, the best idea they have is to just put crosses in the box. And the, the defenders are all the time uh, deflecting the ball because they are clearing the ball all the time. The, the only idea is to put crosses in the box. Well, of course, they, 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 they deserved at least a draw and they, had, they were near to at least connect a header and, and, and score the equalizer. But it's very simple, very, very, very dumb to do. I think that most of the teams that are losing and they are, their rivals are, are, are so small, like, like Capiata, and they are taking care of the victory as they can. Even though they had a, a, a goal opportunity missed by, I think it was number nine, nine player, whose name I don't remember. Yes, yeah. Uh, but, well, uh, and, and, and today Capeta won't be able to play in their own stadium because of course, capacity. They, have to, they will have to play at the Sportivo Luqueño, yeah. where Chilabert uh, made his debut. Ah, that's what I've heard of them. Yeah, quite right. 
uh, not very far from where Han- friend of Hand of Pod, Ralph Hannah, lives. So I think he lives in Luca. Um, so, yes. So what's your prediction for tonight? Well, this is the thing, yeah, because one, one thing I was going to say, was it Mariano Echeverria who said that it would be catastrophic if yes. Boca lost? And what if, if Boca went out, he said, which they haven't done. Yes. Uh, but of course, this, this uh, caused a bit of a Twitter furor because one of Capiatas' players then tweeted a screenshot of, um, of, of the quote and used some rather choice language to respond to it. Of course, yes. Um, so are we going to see a catastrophe tonight? We'll already know the answer to the question, of course. The, the, the thing is that Capiata will be the same. I think we'll continue with their plan as they did in the Bombonera, La Bombonera, which is to clear the ball and try to take it as, as far yeah. as they can to the brilliant goalkeeper Franco, which was the, 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 the more man of the match. It was not even their first choice goalkeeper. Yes. He, he came into the squad as a result of an injury to, to whoever's there. I can't remember the name of the first choice keeper because we didn't so, see him. But yeah, he was very, very good. I think Arena will put a, a very offensive draw there with three uh, strikers, I think. But uh, it's the same thing. Uh, they will have to do something more creative than just putting crosses into the box in order to stop, to, to, to prevent the, the cast. Catastrophic result. It's actually kicking off in 45 minutes' time, so I'm now going to log into TweetDeck and see whether anybody has uh, tweeted an, a starting lineup to see whether they are indeed going balls to the wall, balls out. Uh, three at the back, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I think that we're talking about three, four, three. Yeah, wasn't it? A couple of days ago. This is vital for Boca, isn't it? This match. It's the whole season, really. It's, it's, it's a final, yes. You know, they haven't got anything to play for if they're not in this, have they? Apart from mm. pride in the they, league. But they, not they, least because, as well, let's not forget, it. the the other uh, results, by the way, in the, in, for the Argentine side from the Sudamericana, which we've now had, were uh, Lanús went out to Cerro Porteño on Tuesday night. 3-2 on aggregate, didn't they? It was 1-1 on Tuesday mm. night, and then it was 2-1 in Asuncion uh, last week. Uh, Estudiantes de la Plata beat Peñarol 2-1 last week and lost to Peñarol 2-1 on Wednesday um, before winning the penalty shootout with a brilliant performance from Hilario Navarro in goal. Um, and, of course, River beat Libertad 5-1, as we've already mentioned. So the uh, River and Estudiantes play each other, and the winners of that quarterfinal play in the semis the winners of the yes. quarterfinal that Boca could be going into. And Which this, means that there's a potential double-header Super Classico in the semi-final. Mm. And Boca don't want to miss out on that. If River gets the semi, mm. and then are able to put up posters across the city this, saying, hey, where are you? We were expected mm. to play you. Yeah. The, the, students, uh, the, the fact that the students qualified to the quarterfinals make uh, prevents Boca from qualifying to the Copa Libertadores. Oh yeah, I didn't understand any of this. Apparently if the students had gone out last night, Boca would now be in next year's Libertadores. Yes. Because they are better, they were best in the annual table of, of last year, and and, and the, the the best uh, team of the Copa Sudamericana, well, River had already been qualified, so it was between Estudiantes and Boca, I think. And uh, if Estudiantes was out of the of the Copa Sudamericana, they would achieve the same, at least the same uh, yeah, stage. And, okay. and Boca was better better in that table, the annual table. So uh, now they are, they are, of course, they must. Although even if Bocken do get through on the basis of the Sudamericana, they still have to play this completely made-up, friendly thingy with Vélez yeah. because one of those sides will go as, as Argentina 
three and the other goes Argentina four, which is a difference in the playoff or, or straight into the group stage or something like that. I can't remember exactly. Uh, so that is going to take place anyway, even though it was something that shouldn't have been done and the AFA made up when they realised Poppy had gone out of the Copa Argentina. But anyway, um, I'm going to play some music now. I can't find a, a starting lineup for Boca, by the way. I have just had a look whilst Andres was talking, and uh, I can't see anything on Twitter at the moment, but no doubt there will be something before we finish recording. But here is some music. We're going to uh, refill our glasses, and we'll come back and ask Neil how our Quintinos Juniors are getting on in the second mm-hmm. division, and then we will answer a few listeners' questions. Don't go anywhere. They lost again last night, didn't they? Um, oh no, two nights ago, wasn't it? Two nights ago. And I went to the museum on Saturday and I was shown around the museum by the curator and the club's historian. And they made the point that if it wasn't for the fact that Borgie was such an idol at the club, both as a player and as a manager who won the league with them in 2010, he would have been sacked by now. Mm. And the worry... Is imagine this. I mean, they're seventh in the league now, but point well, seventh. Let, let's not, um, for the benefit of non-regular yeah. listeners, just a reminder of how this current second division for these six month, um, this six month spell works. It's two groups of eleven teams each, and the top five in each group are going to next season's mega top flight of thirty sides. Um, so yeah, seventh place for a team who were in the Primera last season and have got Juan Ramon Riquelme. Yeah. Isn't great. And um, how many points are there? Fifth is five, a gap opening up, five, isn't it? Yeah. Fifth place at Nueva Chicago, who Argentinos are playing this weekend. Right. Um, Nueva Chicago on 20 points, and Argentinos have 15. They've scored five goals. Bloody hell. Yeah. And, and the problem is, I mean, think about it. A, a first division of 30 teams, if you are not in that, which is now looking a serious possibility... Who are you going to be playing? You're going to be playing very small teams, yeah. aren't you? And it, it, it's a downward spiral, really. The, the first division of 30 teams is obviously ridiculous, partly for that reason. We're going to have, among other sides, Boca Unidos, yeah. Crucero del Norte uh, are almost definitely going to be in it because in Group B, which is the other group that Argentinos are yeah. in, they're top with 23 points, and Independiente Rivadavia de Mendoza are the team in sixth with 16, so they've got a very comfortable lead so far. Um, uh, just over the halfway stage of the campaign of course everyone plays everyone else home in the way in this system um, and yeah I mean it, it's, it's disastrous for them oh, the couple of games I went to I went to a game uh, with Dan actually Dan Schreiner yes um, German Dan as yeah. no longer had the okay uh, a couple of weeks ago where they lost at home to Cologne and the Cologne goalkeeper was brilliant Brun Brown, Brown. Yeah. used to play for Rosario Central. Yes. But what, what we thought, and from both that game and another one we went to, was that Riquelme at times is operating on a different level to some of the other players. They're, they're, they're not seeing his passes, they're too, he's too good for them almost. Yeah. 
It's worrying. It's very worrying, I think, for Argentinos and the was, club. They're worried. Was there any sense at the club uh, that the Copa Argentina runners helped the board here to stay in the job at all? Uh, was there any semis of the Copa yes. Argentina? If they win that, as we've discussed, that's the strange thing, isn't they it? They could be in the in the Libertadores. So they could be in the Libertadores. Riquelme has pulled them through that to an extent. It must yeah. be said he scored yeah. a couple of brilliant goals in one each in the previous two rounds and one late equaliser. Of course, they get to the penalty shootout, which they then won against. Yeah, so if you could be in the Libertadores and being in the, the, the second division, it would be like being in the third division, wouldn't it? And, yeah. You know, and, and, um, who knows, it's, it's very worrying. And um, how long can Borgi last, really? I mean, they must, they must be... The, the strange thing as well is the crowd haven't turned, either the crowd or the home crowd haven't turned on him. They're, they're politely clapping the team off even though they're losing. Mm. So it just shows you how much of an idol he is. No one won't, will turn on him yet. It was, it was a moment with the crowd in, that made, made the headlines. Wasn't it? One of the home matches the other week when Raquelme was lining up a free kick and obviously someone from the crowd shouted something and Raquelme paused and said, oh, OK, you can come and, do, yeah. you can come and play. <laughs> Why didn't you come to play? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a small yeah. enough stadium that, um, that he could definitely have heard it anyway. Uh, but the problem clearly is, I, I've not caught much of their match, so I have to say, but just looking at, at, at the, the league table, they've only conceded nine goals in 12 matches. It's not a bad defence at all, but they've scored five. Yeah. They, they, which um, is shocking. Against second division defences with Juan Roman Riquelme providing the passes for the forwards, so they've they, scored five they, goals. I mean, we were expecting the, the, that attack to improve, weren't we? Well, it was dreadful for the last two years in the Primera, but what what it looks like is is um, a team trying to play in, intricate passing football when they're not really good enough. Hmm. Um, apart from Riquelme, I don't think the others are good enough to play in that style. Um, who knows? A word of sympathy, by the way, for Ferro, if we have any Ferro fans listening, because you are second bottom of that same group with just one victory. Although um, we probably should, they've been celebrating this week, haven't they? They've been saved, haven't they? Um, they they, they were, have been saved from bankruptcy. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there was thousands of people in the streets in Capuchito on Monday night after the uh, announcement. That must have been fun for the traffic, because the traffic's mm-hmm. bad enough in Capuchito at the best of times. Um, but yes, you're quite right. Thank you for that, Peter. I've completely forgotten. They've drawn six of their games. Um, and I think it's Ferro, probably one of the clubs, who, with this new system coming in, and half of the team in the division going up, possibly thought, you know, we could kick on here and we could get some Primera football for the first time in ages. Oh, I would love to see Ferro really um, back up in the Primera, because I think the, 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 the stadium, the pictures as well after, like, just the fact that they're, they're there in, in, as you said, like, one win, they're near the bottom of the lesson out bit in this awful setup, and yet, for after 12 years, the bankruptcy's lifted, and... The, that they go out into the streets and they're celebrating. I think it'd be a great story if they managed to get back up into those five spots and and got back into the Premier. Absolutely. Unfortunately, they've they've scored the same number of goals as Argentinos whilst conceding two more, uh, which gives you a sense of where their problems lie as well. Um, but that's your Argentinos Juniors update. Now we have a couple of list of questions. Uh, we had a bit of an internet issue just before recording, um, which meant that I had to put a time cap time limit on when questions were sent in, in case we didn't have internet during recording, and uh, as a result we've only had a few questions, but here they are. Toby Millard, first of all, has tweeted us and asked, 
It has been rumoured that FIFA would like Argentina and Uruguay to host the 2030 World Cup. Is this a realistic proposition? I would say two things here. First of all, it's a proposition that I have been assigned up on a... Um, what, what are they called? Things where you sign. Petition. Petition. Thank you, Peter. I need to go with P. Completely deserted me. Um, I, I, I've signed a petition and I'm a, a registered supporter of this World Cup bid since about six or seven years ago. I think it's a magnificent idea. The idea is going to be, obviously, that the whole World Cup can't be held in Uruguay because that would be ridiculous. I mean, you can't possibly hold it in a city-state. Oh, hang on. Um, but anyway, the idea is to, to play the, um, the centenary edition of the World Cup final back in the original stadium where the World Cup final was played and that uh, Argentina will help them out with the hosting for that. I think it's a great idea, but it's never going to happen. There's just no money here. And one thing that we know FIFA want and like a lot of is money. Brazil can do it. Brazil's economy is many, many, many times larger um, than Argentina's and certainly than Uruguay's. Um, there's no cash in Argentina at all for it. The infrastructure's not there. The stadiums are in dreadful condition. But we have to remember what happened in, in Brazil months or weeks before the, the World Cup was going to, to begin with the stadiums not finished, with a lot of workers died uh, because of the hurry of, of mm. trying to finish uh, and well uh, Someone was saying that actually in the in the cycle between continents it, it, it wouldn't be due to go to here anyway, to America no, well, anyway. FIFA, it, it would be due to go to Europe in 2013. I, I can't remember exactly, but FIFA have said that they, they're open to the idea of mm. sentimentality and allowing Argentina and Uruguay to host it. But I mean, as I say, just money-wise, I mean, it's a completely unrealistic proposition. There's nowhere near enough money here to, to get it going. And, and there's no sign at all that there will be in 16 years' time. I mean, they, there, there doesn't need to be in 16 know, years' time. There needs to be in like six years' time. We know that they like money most. more than anything because they... They say that the Club World Cup will be, will be played and will be played in Morocco. I apologise for the hammering in the background. Which is in the same continent than, than the other countries in, in which there is Ebola and that stuff. And, and they don't care. Well, about. yeah, but that doesn't mean anything, does well, it? Well, but doesn't. they don't care anyway. Just because it's the same constant. It's nowhere bloody near, it. There are no actual cases of Ebola, Andres, come on. Don't be so... Well, but anyway, the there was a, a case, a sus, sus, uh, someone suspected of, of having. If it was being held, if the Club World Cup was being held in the United States of America, which has had more cases of Ebola than Senegal, by the way, <laughs> nobody would be saying, oh no, everyone's going to catch Ebola. Yes. Come on, stop reading the Daily Mail, honestly. Um, you possibly could they, that, could, how it's yeah. that joke was, so I apologise. Uh, Tom Robinson uh, asks After the incidents between Deportivo Roca and Cipolletti, what are the worst brawls that you can remember from Argentina? Deportivo Roca and Cipolletti um, could almost be one reason that we mentioned the fact that the next year's Copa Argentina has already started because that mass brawl which caused the match to be held uh, to be called off um, happened in next year's Copa Argentina. Um, what are the worst fights that we can remember from Argentina? I'm struggling, I have to say, but of course I've not been watching it for my whole life. Andres, you're the Argentine. Incidents? Like fights on the pitch. Mass fights. There, there was a very famous one, I believe. Well, not here, uh, uh, Albania against Serbia. Well, <laughs> that uh, it's, it's, I thought we'll have to remember and to look for because I don't remember right now. Uh, was there, wasn't there a very famous one once between Boca and um, Universidad de Chile? Ah, yes. Or and Colo Colo. 
there was one Primera club, I can't remember which, who voted for their president a couple of months ago. The problem they, is... They, they said on Twitter afterwards that the total number of... Um, of uh, members who voted for the president of the club, and again, I can't remember who it is, but it's a Primera club in Buenos Aires, mm-hmm. in the greater Buenos Aires region, um, was something like 2,500. Mm. And that's why, I mean, it, uh, this doesn't answer David's question at all. He's asking why, why so few people vote, and I don't know. But what I will say is, it's one of the reasons that it's so easy for the Bowdoin to have such a huge influence on yeah. club politics, because if the Bowdoin are only groups of 200 people, <laughs> But if that's a tenth of the electorate who are voting, it suddenly becomes a hell of a lot easier for them to intimidate and to, and, and to rig the vote and whatnot. Big, big uh, amount of so, of socios or members are from big clubs in in Buenos Aires, and, and, and the elections are taking place there, not in the whole country, like yeah. happens with the president elections, and they and have to perhaps come here only to vote and. And I think it's, it's linked to David's second question, in fact, which is what is the method of voting? Is it prohibitive? Do you have to get time off work? Or are there more modern methods available? I would say almost certainly that it will be uh, round the clock on whichever day, so getting time off work wouldn't be an issue. But certainly in a city like Buenos Aires, at least, for the clubs who are based here, transport might mm-hmm. be. Um, and you'd have to go to the stadium or to the club. Uh, but it's not a, a, problem, a problem of work, having to work because it's on Sundays. On Sundays, aren't they? So, sometimes oh, they of course they are, yeah, they normally are. So what would be the percentage turnout of, say, a river election in River? What, what percentage of socials did you What was the Veron one the other week? Oh, Veron's was. Let's let's check, hang on. Because I think we actually mentioned that. Yeah. I mean, g- given when it's the next year's big clubs, given the publicity it receives mm. and the build-up and all the campaigns, I would have thought it was quite high the turnout. But yeah, I would agree. Eight percent. You see it's pictures of queues in the paper, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Queuing to vote. And what we do know about Baron uh, is that he won seventy percent of the votes. We have, let's see. Approximately 7,000 members over a, t- uh, of a total of 20,830 who were able to vote. So that's still uh, not that high, So 7,000, so one, one third of the available electorate. Of course, to, to be able to vote normally at most clubs, you have to have at least four years of paid-up membership, I think it is, isn't it, uh, before you're allowed to vote. Um, and, yeah, so one third of, of that number for a club like a city antes. So, I mean, if we type, I don't know, Donofrio, a river, that'll give us a good idea, won't it? Bear with us while we wait for Google to throw up an answer. Uh, ah, there we go. Donofrio uh, won the presidency at River in the election which had the most votes of any election in the history of River Plate, more than 17,000, won 7,000, uh, which is a fair few people for a small yeah. club. Uh, but yeah, you're quite right. I mean, when you bear in mind that the stadium holds 65,000. Most of the people who go there week in, week out are members. It's it's not uh, as many as you might expect. And again, underlines why the Ballarats are able to have such a huge influence on, on some of these elections, not some of the presidents at various clubs. Um, so there's an answer for you, David, of sorts. Why is it that so few people vote? I think you said, didn't you, Peter, that lack of interest is, is possibly... I said that... Uh... Lack of interest and lack of ta- not not the not, not the problem of working, but 
they have to only to vote. Well, not it's not a, a, a something a, a minor. It's something important. But uh, you have to go there, vote, and you go back again. Uh, I, 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 where I am surprised, perhaps, is why don't they organize some bus? Uh, or something in order yeah, to, to make to it out, easier yeah. for the in provisions. Well, I guess for some people, I mean, for for instance, the Donofrio vote and the Veron vote that we've just mentioned, those were both elections in which the incumbent wouldn't really have had much interest in trying to drive up the um, the uh, what's like the turnout, because in Veron's case, it was really obvious that Veron was going to win the election by a landslide, and so if you're the other guy who's the sitting president and he's standing it. You don't want it to, to encourage people to vote. And obviously in Donofrio's case, nothing at all because Passarella was the president, he'd already announced Yeah, you already know that you're going to win, that doesn't import, it's not that, that important, it's like the, the sum of people. Yeah, uh, so yeah. That, would be, that would be my guess as to why that happens. Um, first of all, I apologise if you can hear, uh, to listeners who can hear a slightly high-pitched uh, whining in the background. The microphone is almost right next to the fan on Peter's computer, which is... Uh, has kicked in a couple of times during the call. Precisely, yeah, it's very warm. Um, and it's just kicked in again, and I've noticed that I can hear it. You probably can't really notice it without earphones on, but I can. So I hope that you can't at home. Uh, and secondly, the next piece of music that you hear, as ever, will be Mystic Sound. And when we get back, Mystic Sound will tell you what's going to happen this weekend, so don't go away. Some interesting matchups this weekend. The first of them on Friday is between Belgrano de Cordoba and Rosario Central, and I think that Rosario Central are going to win that match. Independiente versus Tigre. I'm going for a draw. They're both in good form. Tigre's recent little slump accepted. Independiente is a makeshift defense this weekend. Is it? I might go for a Tigre win, but I've already said draw, so we'll stick with the draw. Yes, no, you're quite right, yeah, I did realise because somebody got injured in the, last week. Yeah, it's a suspension as well. That's right, Victor Cuesta is injured and Nestor Brighton has done his right knee ligaments, as the uh, medical term, I believe. Um, Vélez Sarsfield versus Banfield, I think is going to be a draw as well. Both of those teams have won one of their last eight. So if you want to see good quality football, don't watch Vélez Sarsfield versus Banfield. <laughs> Newell's Old Boys versus Godoy Cruz. Lots and lots of goals is the Mystic Sound prediction. Um, I think that Godoy Cruz ought to win, but obviously we have mentioned their defence, so don't place any money on them because they're rubbish. Will 4-3 or 5-4? 4-3. I mean, they're going to concede 3. They're not going to concede more or less than 3. Right, if Newells don't score goals in that game, then they're... Godoy will have to stick them in their own net, then, won't they? Uh, Olimpo versus Racing. I'm going for a Racing victory. Estudiantes de la Plata versus... Quilmes Atletico Club, I think, is going to be a fairly comfortable Estudiantes win because Quilmes is a bit rubbish. Lanús versus San Lorenzo. A Lanús victory to keep the pressure up on the league leaders. Boca Juniors versus Defensa y Justicia. Boca's a win. I mean, it would be quite surprising, especially given that Defensa y Justicia, they've enjoyed the season, they've gone about things with great gusto they've picked up a few wins but basically when they play teams that you'd expect to to beat them they've lost 
And when they play teams that you think, yeah, they might stand a chance here, they'll be the one on draw. But a way to Boca should be a Boca win. Uh, Atletico de Rafaela versus River Plate, I think, is somewhat inevitably going to be a River victory. Obviously, it would be slightly silly to recommend anything else. And Arsenal de Sarandí versus Gimnasia y Grima La Plata is a draw. And probably the one match that you should definitely avoid because they've both produced an awful lot of low goals. As we have mentioned already, these are the two of the three teams with the lowest goals for totals in the league and so far. Is that the Monday night game? That is the Monday night game. The Go no- out on Monday night, find something else to do. <laughs> <laughs> don't know if it has to do with dimensions of the stadium but of the pitch, but it's hard to see a very, very good match in that stadium, in that international stadium. I don't know why if, if it's because when Arsenal, of course, plays, they are, <laughs> it's Arsenal play, they yes. are very, very, uh, like, they are very uh, sticks to the, to, the, to the rival and then they don't leave the, the other team to play or, or, or if the, it's only because the, the, the small, small pitch, but you will, you, you will hardly see a, or watch a, a, a very good match there. I think you might be being harsh there. I think it might just be because the current Arsenal team are pretty rubbish. What was that? Anything else? Well, they've won a few games. In fairness, their their home record. We need seventy on really. Even when Alfaro, even when Alfaro was the coach, I think it was a very good team. They played. They were tidy. They were like a team that they knew what they they had to do. But good level of play. It's very very hardly seen. Having just brought up Arsenal's home record, um, I was going to say it's, you know, as we said last week and the week before, the best in the division, in spite of the fact that they're low down the table because they're appalling away from home. We already said that the draw against Tigre was the first uh, away point that Arsenal have got this season. And I brought up their home standing. And just one more big boost um, for Gustavo Alfaro. Tigre have now got the second best home record in the top flight which was probably mid-table uh, a couple of weeks ago. That's the start. I, I'm, I'm genuinely staggered by that. Um, we don't need to tell you it's got the best home record in the top flight. Of course, you're probably already bored of hearing us sing their praises all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah. So on that note, on that note, we shall leave. We shall bid you farewell for another week, or possibly just under the week, because we're recording later than we normally do in the week. Um, and also, of course, because Boca Juniors kick off in 14 minutes' time and I need to find somewhere that's showing it and is serving some food so that I can enjoy watching them. Sounds good. That's exactly what I yeah. um, So, we, uh, we wish you luck for the weekend, dear listeners. Enjoy the football that you're going to be watching, if you're going to be watching it. Uh, and please join us again at the same time, same place, next week, uh, for another fun and exciting episode of Hand of Pod. By the way... If you're going to introduce new listeners, then please uh, feel free to do it in the next few weeks because in one, two, three weeks' time, we will be recording our fourth birthday episode. Mm, A whole World Cup cycle. A whole World Cup cycle I've been doing this for. I feel like I've wasted my life, but still. um, I might have something planned for it once we get a bit closer to the time. We'll just see. Sangria, maybe, if it's hot enough. Although I'm still going to be in my current flat, so uh, no, I don't know. Anyway, um, for now, Neil, it's been a pleasure to have you with us. If you're still around next week, <laughs> don't rule it out. Don't rule it out. Time, uh, then we'll be more than happy okay. to have you back. A reminder, of course, that the first uh, appearance that Neil uh, made on Hand of Pod was to plug his book, and so now I'm giving another plug. What's it called? 
It's called Animals, the Story of England v Argentina. I'm not going to lie to listeners by saying it's excellent or anything like that because I still haven't started reading it yet. So you have given me a copy. I'm very grateful for it. I'm going to read it and I'm sure it is excellent. Oh, don't worry. But I wouldn't want to give any opinions that I haven't yet. We encourage you to buy the book so that Neil can stay here. (laughs) (laughs) Go go buy lots of them now. Yeah. And Neil can pay off his credit card perhaps. Yeah, I think he might have to sell. Depending on how quickly Alex can get the royalties too. No, no, Amazon don't pay the royalties, do you? Because it's not a Kindle book, it's, a, it's an actual paper, a real, yeah, it's on a real binding. It's a real publishing company yeah. in uh, Sussex called Pitch Publishing. Get on their website and, yeah. and, and buy that way, because that way... But you can buy it on Amazon, I think you... I'm sure you can, yeah, but yeah. they'll give the publishers less yeah, than the publishers get exactly. to direct, and that means you get less and yeah. so yeah, go and buy it on the Pitch Publishing website. Um, and uh, it's goodbye from Neil anyway for now thank you Uh, goodbye from Andres thank you goodbye goodbye from Peter thanks goodbye and goodbye from me goodbye